Now, three times a year at our church, we introduce seasons. And a season at our church is this. It's just where I've spent some time praying and seeking God on the direction, the spiritual direction for us to move together. And we introduce this so we can all get moving in the same direction, so we can have a focus to our faith and we can continue to go forward. And whenever we introduce a season, we always put together one of these. This is a season guide and there's a digital version that you can download, that you can uh, engage with. And here is what's helpful about that. The season guide has in it some scriptures, has in it some questions that you can reflect on. It has in it some challenges, some decisions that you can begin to make. It has our our set list for the worship songs so that we, when you come in here, you can get familiar with the songs before you show up on Sunday. It's got a, some declarations and confessions that you can have and you can say over your life. It's just a resource to help us move together. This season, we're calling it Miracles Ahead and Miracles Now. That's the title of my message today. And my prayer is that as you lean into this message, that it's going to be more than just a sermon for you but that it'll really be a paradigm shift in how you live out these next several weeks. And Miracles Ahead, Miracles Now, it's really a declaration of faith-filled possibility. And it's a recognition of God's present power. It's a reminder that God has good things in store for you. Do you believe that this morning? God has good plans for you. Your future is full of God potential. And so what I want to do in this message today is I want to look at a prayer that is in this guide. So we put prayers in here to help you pray. I call it the Acts 4 prayer for power. It's a prayer found in Acts 4. That's not like the official word. It's just what I call it. But it's a prayer that you can pray yourself. But more than a prayer, it's also a pattern for how to experience God's power in our life. Like if we're going to call this season miracles ahead and miracles now, then we need to know how to experience God's power. We're saying that in this season, there is nothing that's impossible. And I think that this message is going to help you with that. This is not just a prayer that gets results. This is a prayer that moves mountains. How many of you would like to know that? So we're going to dig into this together. Uh, Acts chapter 4, you can find your way there. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'll put the words on the screen so we can follow along together. I'm going to read eight verses. But I also encourage you to have a Bible of your own. You can download the Bible app on your phone. Just go to Bible.com. It's a great way to engage with God's Word. But Acts 4, starting in verse 23, reading from the NIV translation, it says this. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Now a little context before I keep going. Peter and John being released, you may think, what have they been released from? They've just been released from prison. The whole reason they are in prison is because God has performed miracles. I think it's interesting that in a season of miracles, that sometimes miracles can get you in prison. You wouldn't expect that. Acts, if you don't know, it's the, really the story, the birth of the church. The church was birthed in a prayer meeting. The Holy Spirit came. The disciples have power. While they're on their way to the temple to worship, Peter and John would go. As was their custom, there was a crippled man there begging for alms. You can read about this in Acts chapter 3. He asked for 
some money, but they didn't give him money. They gave him something better. They said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk, and he was healed. Now, you would think that this miracle would cause a lot of people to rejoice, a lot of people to be excited, to celebrate. But many people, though they did rejoice, there were others who felt threatened and intimidated by this miracle. For some, it challenged their belief system. What does this mean? Others were threatened by the influence that these two had. It caused multitudes to listen to them. Others were concerned about chaos that might ensue if they didn't try to get this under control. So the religious leaders and the civil authorities, they had these two men, Peter and John, thrown in prison. They tried them publicly. But since they hadn't done anything wrong, I mean, they could see the witness of this healed man in their midst. They had no reason to hold them. So they eventually released them. But they didn't release them without first trying to intimidate them. They said, hey, you can't preach this name of Jesus, his resurrection from the dead, this gospel message. If you do it again, we'll have you thrown in jail again. If you do it again, we'll have you killed. Well, this is the context where it says on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. said, this is what happened. When they heard this, the church, the people that they went to, says they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said. Now it gives us the prayer. You've made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I love it. It says, the church prayed and the place shook. And yet it's interesting how they had so much power in this prayer meeting. And if we're honest, it seems like sometimes we can gather and the power's absent. I don't know if you've ever wondered that. I'd like to suggest to you this morning that there's no less power available, but maybe we've just become desensitized to it. Have you ever noticed that, experienced that? How, how something can be so powerful initially, you can become desensitized to it the more you're around it. Like just take, for example, something uh, in, in our city. Maybe your first time you went to the KU campus, you're a student. The first time you're there, it seems so massive, seems so big. But yet after going to your classes, spending some time there, living at the dorms, maybe just living in the city, being around it, it doesn't seem quite as impressive, quite as big as that first time you were there. Could be your work, your first day on the job, it's a new job, new responsibilities. Can seem intimidating, can seem overwhelming. Maybe it seems fun and exciting. But after a while, 
that, that job that was so exciting or overwhelming now becomes routine, even can become boring. You become desensitized to your kids if you're a parent. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're, when it's your first kid, it's, there is, is not enough space on your phone to hold the pictures. I'm the youngest of four. There are no pictures of me. It's a true story. I'm telling you, like, with your first one, everything is amazing. When the first time they're walking, you are cheering like they are walking on the moon. You know, you call your parent, call their grandma, explain to them how they have a child prodigy for a grandson. By the time the fourth walks, by, by the time the fourth comes around, they're, you know, they're, they're taking their first wobbly steps. You're like, watch out, watch where you're going, kid. <laughs> Don't knock over the coffee table. We just get desensitized to all sorts of things, things that were once so special. Maybe you get desensitized to your workouts, you do the same routine, you begin to plateau. You can get desensitized to your accomplishments, something that you would have dreamed of. Now it just becomes old hat because you've already done it. You can become desensitized in your relationship. That, that person that you couldn't wait to go out with, sometimes you forget how special they actually are. And I, I just bring that up because sometimes I feel like we can come to church and forget the fact that we are worshiping the God who made the universe. That when we come into this space, God is present and his power is available. Now, I know God is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere all the time. But just because God is omnipresent does not mean that his glory, that his power, and that his presence is always felt everywhere all the time. If it was, Jesus wouldn't have to say, where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am in your midst. I'm trying to help you see today that there is a sacred connection at church. That this place is special. I mean, in the world, the world can offer us a lot of things. Like you go into the world, you can learn leadership. You can get relational advice. You can get motivation. You can learn about goal setting. You, you can learn all sorts of things. You can have community in the world. You can have experiences. I want you to understand today, the church is not built on that. Now, God's word speaks to all of that. God's word will help you with your leadership. It'll help you with your relationships. That there is a community you can find in church that you can't find anyplace else. There's powerful experiences in God's presence. But understand, that's not what the church is built on. You can get that stuff in the world. But there are things that happen in church that do not happen anyplace else. And the church offers things that the world cannot offer. For one thing, when you come to church, the church offers prayer. The church offers truth. And the church equips you to 
serve and please God. That's why the very first thing I want you to get as we're in this season of miracles ahead, miracles now, I see it from the text. I want you to understand that when we seek God corporately, he shows up powerfully. Corporately might be kind of an unfamiliar word to you. When I say corporately, like there's there's corporate prayer. But I just mean when we seek God collectively, when we seek God together, when we seek God in an organized way, when we seek God corporately, he shows up powerfully. Notice, it is not incidental that it tells us the first thing they did after they had been imprisoned, after they had been humiliated, after they had been demoralized, after all these things had happened, the first thing they, they didn't like just go back to their home and lick their wounds. They didn't just say, you know what, I just need to like just kind of center myself and think about this some. The first thing they did was they went to church. They went to God's people and they began to seek God together. It says they raised their voices together. That's why I'm telling you when things aren't working in your life, the best thing you can do is to get to church. Sometimes people stay away from church when things aren't working in their life. They're, they're waiting to get their act together. They're waiting until they feel like they got to be cleaned up. I'm telling you, that's the time you need to get to church. When things aren't going your way, you need to get in God's house so you can get going the right way. When you don't have a sense of direction in your life, you need to get around God's people so you can get going the right direction. When, when you can't get anything else going, you need to get church going. There's things that happen when we gather that don't happen anywhere else or any place else. There's power that happens when we come together. That's why we do these seasons, so we can get moving in the same direction, saying, hey, this is the season. Miracles ahead, miracles now. This season, nothing is impossible. Jesus said that over and over in the Gospels. I want to build your faith this season. I want to encourage you to pray bold prayers this season. I want to get you to raise your level of expectation this season for God to do impossible things, for God to do big things, that what has happened doesn't dictate what can happen, that, that there is opportunity for God to move in your life. That's why we do this. There, there's something that happens when we seek God together. I remember reading about this. It's probably because my daughter Pippa, she loves horses. I remember reading about horses that a draft horse, it's this amazing animal used to pull big weights, big loads, can pull up to 8,000 pounds. That's impressive. That's almost hard to fathom. Now, typically when you see these horses, you don't just see one horse. You usually see them teamed together, at least in two. And logic would tell you that if one horse can pull 8,000 pounds, two horses can pull 60. You went to school and did math. That's great. (laughs) But you would be wrong because two horses can't pull 16,000 pounds. Two horses can pull 24,000 pounds, three times as much. Now, that would be cool if the lesson stopped there, but it doesn't. Because what they found is that when these horses have trained together and they're familiar with each other and they've spent time together, not only can they pull 
24,000 pounds, they can actually pull 32,000 pounds. Four times as much as one horse. Now this is incredible. What I'm trying to help you see is that there is a multiplied power that comes from when the church gathers and begins to seek God together. There's, there's something that happens that doesn't happen in your own private little devotional time. That's awesome. You need private devotional time. You need to read your Bible. You need to worship God. Like you should have that private discipline. Absolutely. But I'm saying don't sleep on the fact of what happens when you get in this space. Don't, don't underestimate what can happen when we begin to seek God together. And I just want to point out, it says they raised their voices together. It doesn't say, well, Peter prayed and everybody else listened. John prayed and everybody else just kind of bowed their head. No, it says they raised their voices together. Part of seeking God together is to be an active participant in what he's doing. Like every place else in the world, we're often a consumer. We go around, you know, we're going to, there, there's, there's a game on. I don't know if you know that there's a game on tonight. It's kind of a big deal. But you're going to be a spectator at that. Most of us, even if you're, even if you're in the stands, you're, you're a spectator. You can enjoy it. You can cheer. You celebrate it. But, but you're not participating. You're not on the field. You cannot have the attitude of a consumer when you come to church. Now, if you're here for the first time, or I'm glad you're here, but I'm trying to help you understand how to grow spiritually. You, you cannot maintain a consumer mindset and obtain spiritual maturity. It doesn't work that way. Discipleship is not just a cerebral process. And unfortunately, because we're in a university city, most of us, we have this instinctive response that the way we grow and the way we learn is to come and sit and take notes and get knowledge. And that's how we grow spiritually. That's not the process. It's very important how you learn Christ. And the church is built for participatory experiences. You're designed to be a part of God's house. It says that it's called the body of Christ in Ephesians. It says that every joint supplies. It's not this joint. It's a different kind of joint. It's uh, every joint supplies. That was a bad joke. Uh, like, I've been there. I know that joint supplies, but no. It means that everybody's got a part to play. See, when you're part of the church, we talk about believe, belong, become. It's not just for, for you to, when we say become who God has called you to be, that's not just like dream a big dream and have a, you know, not trying to be motivational. A part of that, you becoming who God has called you to be, is for you to become a minister. I didn't say a pastor, but a minister. God has a ministry for you. You have a ministry. You have a ministry to the world. You have a ministry to other believers. You have a ministry to the Lord. 
when you come in here, part of your, part of your ministry is to minister to the Lord, to give God praise, to, to worship. That's really the second thing I want to tell you is that in this season, our response to God's presence informs our request from God's power. Let me explain that. I don't, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but I, I saw when they begin to raise their voice again, when they begin to pray, they start in a way that's really significant. It says, when they raised their voices together, they prayed, Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They start by recognizing the greatness of God. They recognize his presence there. Now, I don't know if you grew up in church. I grew up in church, and the church I grew up in was a lot different than this church. The church I grew up in, there was rarely a Sunday that I did not come to church with the tie on. How many of you are glad things have changed these days? I'm glad things have changed. Nothing wrong with wearing ties. That's not like a church thing that's changed. That's a culture thing. I mean, business people used to wear ties, jackets all the time. I think about watching basketball. Basketball coaches used to wear sport coats and ties all the time. Just culture's changed. I'm grateful for that. But even though we can come to church dressed casually, can I tell you, our appearance can be casual, but our approach should not be casual. When, when we come into God's presence, it's so important that we remember who we're talking to. They said, Sovereign Lord, you've made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in it. And I'm just trying to bring this up because sometimes we approach God so casually and then we wonder why our prayers aren't working. But you are talking to the one who has all of heaven's and all of earth's resources at his disposal to do something about your situation. And so if you were just very practically speaking, you were gonna, you had a meeting with someone who had the power to fix a problem in your life, whether it was a lot of resource or the connections or the whatever it is. You wouldn't show up for that meeting late. You wouldn't show up just kind of casual, like, yeah, you know, I mean, if you could do something, you know, whatever, it's no big deal. That's not how you would come. And whenever I come to God, I come into his presence, I don't want to forget who I'm talking to. I always want, that doesn't mean I can't be honest about what I'm going through. God is kind. God is compassionate. He's not far off. But I just want to remember, I'm talking to the one who has the power to change my situation. That's why our, our worship matters so much. Like when we come in here, I would just encourage everybody when I talk about taking a step, I would encourage everybody, my hope for you, my heart for you, is that you would lift your voice, you would sing, and you would lift your hands. Yeah, but that's just not me. I'm not really that way. You know what? With Valentine's Day coming up, I don't tell Marissa, hey, you know, flowers, they're just not really my thing. I'm sorry. Chocolate, I'm just not, I don't like chocolate. I'm not into that. Gifts, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's not, not for me. No, I do the stuff that she likes. And when we come into God's house, why do we raise our hand? That's the stuff that God likes. Over, over and over again in Scripture, you see these 
commands, not suggestions, commands to lift up holy hands. Stretch your hands towards heaven. James, he was writing to the church. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Right into the church. And then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. I think it's funny. He's talking to the church. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. I'd just like if I talked to you like that. Hey, listen, lift your hands, sinners. No, the, <laughs> the, the point is he's saying during the week, like there's stuff we recognize. Sometimes our hands are doing things that are serving our own passion, our own pleasure, our own desires. So we stretch our hands. God, these are your hands. My hands are your hands. Cleanse them, purify them. Let, let my hands be used for your glory. Okay, I'm, I got a lot to get through here. I'm going to go through these next ones really quick. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You also got to build your case as we get to pray. Build your case on what God has done, not on what you deserve. You want to pray powerfully. You want to see God do the impossible things. This is what the believers do in the scriptures we read. They start by acknowledging who God is and remembering what he's already done. Now, we might, most of us might not pray like this, but I know some people do. When they have a need, they come to God and they start expressing all the things that they've done and why they want God to move. God, you know I've been going to church and I've been doing my best to read my Bible and I helped out that person and I didn't cheat on that test. So God, if you could help me out with this, I'd really appreciate it. Can I tell you, that's a losing battle to begin to tell God about your goodness. When you start talking to God, you want to see him answer prayers, begin to start talking about what he has done in the past and then what you want him to do in the future because that's what builds your faith and that's what blesses your heavenly father. Look at what they said. Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. In other words, saying, God, you've got power and you've made some promises. That's what they're saying by you spoke through the Holy Spirit by your servant David. They're quoting scripture. David wrote Psalm 2. This is Psalm 2 that we're reading. It says, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Indeed, now they're talking to God about what happened. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. In other words, why are they telling God all this? Does God need the history lesson? No, God knows what he did and he knows what happened. But they're putting themselves in a place to remember God's power and his ability and to set themselves in alignment with his will. They're praying God's agenda on the earth. And if you're going to grab hold of this truth, it is going to change the way that you read the Bible, it is going to change the way that you pray this season to begin to incorporate Scripture into your prayer. So when you read something in Scripture and say, God, I saw how you did that for them, will you do that for me? God, I, I saw how you showed up for them, can you show up for me? Remind God what he's done. Because sometimes the way we approach God, if we're honest, it looks like this. God, would you do this for me? Would you please do this for me? Would you pretty, pretty please with a cherry on top? Would you do this for me, God? I really need this. I'm not saying God won't answer that. I'm just saying that's not a powerful prayer. That, that's not the way to pray. Inform God to transform you. It said, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great 
boldness. When you incorporate scripture into your prayer, it'll help you pray God's agenda, not your own. So they start listening to things out that God has done. And I'll just quickly show you how this works. Like if you have a financial need in your life, it's not just to go, God, I have this need. Can you help me, God? Would you do this? Just begin to say, Lord, I, I remember how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. The Lord's prayer says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you told your disciples to ask you for what they need daily. So God, here's what I need. And I'm just trying to be obedient to what you said. So God, can you help me with what I need? I remember, Lord, how David, in the 23rd Psalm, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. God, if you are a shepherd to David, if that's how he saw it, will you be my shepherd? Will you be my provider in this situation? I'm just asking you to do for me what I've seen you do for others, what I've seen you say in your word. When challenges and obstacles come your way, God, I, I remember how your word says that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. He said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God, what's coming my way, it seems too much for me. But I'm asking you to give me strength, just like Paul wrote. I, I remember how he said in, in Romans that, that thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. God, it, it looks overwhelming, but will you bring about a victory? Will you help me overcome this? Will, will, will you do for me what I've seen you do in your word? Begin to incorporate God's word into your prayers. Remind him of how he's worked in the past. Not because he forgot, but because that's what builds your faith. And if you do this, it's going to help you with the fourth one, which is don't just pray for God to make things better. Pray for him to make you bolder. What I love about this prayer is that they asked for miracles and they saw miracles, but they didn't stop at praying for God to change their situation. They asked for God to change them. And that's important because I'm praying for each person here that this is a season of miracles for you, that God is gonna break some things loose. That you're gonna see God move in your life. But maybe the miracle that God does for you in this season isn't what he does in your situation. Maybe it's what he does in you in your situation. Because when you read through the book of Acts, this book that we're looking at, there are miracles all through it. You see God heal people. You, you see signs and wonders performed through the hands of the disciples. But you also see People shipwrecked. You also see people beaten and tortured. You also people, see people thrown in prison. You also see people killed. And I want you to know, I believe God heals. I believe God provides. I believe God still works wonders. But sometimes what we need in our life isn't so much for God to make a way as much as we need to make a change. Like I talked about praying when you have a financial need. And I want you to do it. I'd encourage you to do that. But maybe what you do is not just, God, will you help me with this financial need? But maybe you say, God, will you help me begin to trust you with my finances? Will you help me begin to, to trust you with my first and my best? I want to 
I want to be more generous, God. Help me to budget. Help, help me to live on less than I make so I'm not just consuming everything that comes my way. God, decrease my appetites for materialism. God, make me desire your presence more than just this, this stuff. I'm just trying to help you see. Sometimes we pray for God to deliver us out of a situation instead of asking, asking God to strengthen us in a situation. And both of them can be a miracle. The disciples were persecuted. They were humiliated. They were demoralized. But they didn't come back with this little prayer of God protect us. You can pray for protection. God make it stop. Make the problem go away. They prayed something so much more powerful than that. Look what it says. They said, God, consider their threats. They didn't say put an end to them. They just said, enable us to speak your word with great boldness. They didn't pray, God, make me more comfortable. God, make this easier. Make it go away. They said, God, give us boldness to endure. Help us in the midst of the hardship. See, sometimes we're asking God to deliver us out of things that he actually wants us to walk through. And I'm just trying to help you see, God is going to work a miracle in your life this season. But it might not be the miracle that makes things better. It might not be the miracle that makes things easier. It might not be the miracle that makes you more comfortable. The, the miracle that God works might be the one that gives you the strength to endure. And this is the last thing I want to tell you. Is as you're praying, if you're going to ask for a miracle... Be prepared to act. If you're going to ask, be prepared to act. I don't know if you noticed, but I love that this church, they very much expected God to move when they prayed. This wasn't some I hope so prayer. They said, Lord, stretch out your hand to heal. If it's your will, if you want to, you're off the hook otherwise. No, it says, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miracles and signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It says, after they prayed, something happened. And I wonder if you noticed this, because it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And what happened that I think is so interesting isn't the fact that the place was shaken. I mean, that's cool. But I think what's cool is that after they prayed for boldness, they spoke. And when you make a request, I just want to encourage you. God wants you to make a response. So many of our unanswered prayers, I believe, go unanswered because of a lack of action. The answer is in your action. You want to see God move in your family? You want to see your kids develop a love for Jesus? Well, that's going to require you to, to come to church. You, you want to see God help you with your health? He might be speaking to you about some of your decisions and choices and habits. Maybe you're looking for a change in job, but God wants to deal with 
your heart at the job that you're at? Can you do it with excellence? Can you do it with a good attitude? Can you do it with faithfulness? Can you serve with honor? Looking for relationship, I just wonder if maybe God's dealing with you, are you a good friend to the relationships that you do have? Prioritizing your, your marriage, there's some dysfunction, but have you put aside selfishness? Have been begun to invite God into it? If you're gonna ask for God's help, you're gonna have to act with God's help. I think it's interesting that this is the book of Acts. It's not the book of intentions. It's not the book of, you know, hopeful prayers. It's the book of Acts. And so when I say that this is a season of miracles, I suppose what you could say is that this is really a season of participation. Opportunity for you to participate in God's purpose. He wants you to participate. That's what he, he likes. So I just wanna encourage you, you've got a step to take today. You're a minister. Your, your job is to, is to understand your ministry, ministry to the world, ministry to other believers, ministry to the Lord, to, to recognize the presence of God when you come. Man, there's, there is power in this place. Don't just take it casually. Don't just approach it haphazardly. Don't, don't just come here and habitually. Don't get desensitized to the fact that, that God's here to meet your needs. I'm praying for each and every one of you this season. See God's miracle working power in your life.